Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Greetings, Hello, mother. Hello, my sweetness. Let's get into a good mood. Yeah, we'll try. I it's know. just... My, my, my son's a little irritated because of time constraints. It's more than time constraints, Ima. It's the fact is, is that we do it. We've been doing this for like close to three years. We have like a schedule. We were doing it perfectly, like on the nose, like eight o'clock, eight fifteen, boom, 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 for three years straight. And then, like, I, I, I get it. You, you get these offers for piano lessons, so you take them. But it's just like now we have to reevaluate everything, and hopefully, we can still keep everything up. And I want to keep things up. I want to keep things going. And it frustrates me and annoys me when we're trying to have the whole thing going, and I have a schedule to keep. In a way of like, I, I have other things throughout the day and I look forward to this and I feel like I get kicked under the under the table because I, I'm the lower priority and there's other priorities that are there. But we'll 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 stick this out. It's fine. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make do. I, I, I didn't have some I didn't have some main topics to discuss. Ooh, uh, remember, we were talking about now that you're a daddy. We're talking about um, uh, baby songs. Like somehow when people become parents, it's like their creativity just comes to the surface. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. I remember the, the songs I made up with Etty, my firstborn child. I love you and how I do. Oh, I love you. I love you and how I do. Oh, I love you. Boom, boom. Aboogie, boo. Ooh, ooh, boom, boom. I feel like I'm in a ragtime whorehouse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually noticed that a little bit where um, I, I noticed in a weird way that I am like saying things in sing song or making up little ditties. Like, like today I was making up some ditty. I don't even remember what it was, but in the heat of the moment, it was talking about like eating, like eating your, your, your breakfast. And I was just like making him a bottle and I was singing some random ditty song about like, you know, <laughs> go eat your food. Yes, you will. You're going to have to, cause you don't, and you might die. Then that might be a problem in the future. <laughs> like, like, it's not like, cool. I, I'm, I'm getting a little more creative over time, but um, yeah, it's, it's funny because it's just like the one thing I can say is definitely a concern of mine is sleep. Um, Ruthie's been doing like amazing, really pushing herself um, a lot, like a lot. Um, and I, I do what I can, but I, I have my own, you know, regimen and whatnot. But like, seriously, there's sleep is so important. And that was the other thing I was I was gonna say is that like I, I have like I'm trying to get on, on a, a sleep schedule. Ruthie's right now just a, a night owl at this point. Mm -hmm. Um it's really like sleeps more during the day than during the night, but lately she's been able to do both, which I'm getting kind of worried. What about you with, with when you were taking care of the babies with like sleepless nights? Yeah, and everyone will tell you the same thing. Once you start your family life, forget having forget getting any sleep for the next at least 20 years. It makes sense. It makes sense. We're like, I'm perpetually tired, but I just wake up at six and go and start my day. Well, I think about, um, well, I was thinking about, you know, Chris being a parent. Yeah, you're out the entire night with the kid until they finally sleep through the night. 
And even with that, there's a lot of babies that even though they get past that six week point where they're basically sleeping through the night, most of them will wake up, say like around two o'clock for like a two o'clock feeding as well, opposed to being up the entire night. Um, but I remember like in college, oh my gosh, exam time, um, fi- you know, final exam time, um, research papers due. Oh gosh, forget, forget any sleep. Just forget it. I remember fun. at the end of, I remember many, many times in college at the end of the week, especially final exams, coming home and just feeling like Friday afternoon after it was all done, just crashing on my bed. And that's all I could do is just go straight to sleep. It's funny you mentioned about, about college because I, I got my master's in architecture and anybody who's been to architecture school will tell you like, it's very common to have like long nights of work. But I mean, I, the lo- the longest night I've had would be like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning max. Mm-hmm. But on Sundays, I would be doing a lot of work. I wouldn't leave the studio. I'd be in the studio at 10 in the morning, wouldn't leave the studio till 12, one o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Just working on on, on the, the, the classes and working on the designs and going through everything. Um, yeah. And like, luckily, I would just manage. I mean. I would just go ahead and like take an energy drink or when, when I was younger, I would have the energy like naturally. I would just go ahead and like, I'd be hitting the gym. I'd be going yeah. around. Um, now it's just, it's a little more challenging, but I'm, I'm still keeping up. Um, but like, I know, I know with Tati though, he would go to sleep at like nine, nine 30, wake up at five o'clock, five 30 and start his day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he, you have that strict regimen. Um, okay, sure. Right. Do you, do you remember your parents' like schedule? Oh like- gosh, my father, being in the fruit and vegetable business, and you know, and also the chicken business, had to be up at the crack of dawn to go down to the harbor to get the cases of fresh fruits and vegetables that were literally being taken off the boats. Whoa! Um, and um, chickens too. Ship chickens. He would have to be again up at the crack of dawn, go to the Schechting house to get fresh killed chickens and uh, bring them home to my mother who would who would prepare them for, you know, any way the customers wanted them. They wanted them cut a certain way. They would, she would she would cut them and clean them and cut and, and kosher the meat. This was before you could get koshered meat in the stores. People had to kosher their own meat, kosher their own meat with the salting, the salt, the soaking and the salting. Oh, wow. And she would do that for my father's customers. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I used to watch her do it. Didn't, didn't, didn't Zadie have like his whole workout routine as well? I remember we talked about previously, but he, he, I remember as a kid seeing like medicine balls and this like these arm stretchers things. And I'd see him and like, I'm not sure like how much would he work out. Um, but do you remember seeing him work out, like doing jumping jacks with him? Oh yeah, um, yeah. He used to work out, you know, sit ups. He was very big on sit ups, and just, um, you know, just also they call it calisthenics. Yeah, yeah. They still call it. They still call it calisthenics. Yeah. He used to. He can. He always did his old army calisthenics, even when he retired. He would wake up in the morning and do his army calisthenics. Oh wow! Because I remember seeing you watching um, Buns of Steel. And um and uh what's yeah. her, what's his name uh Gene not Gene Simmons 
Oh, yeah, uh, I know you're talking about Richard Simmons. Richard yeah. Simmons, thank you, Richard yeah. Simmons. What was great about Richard Simmons was I I, I, I used to take um, exercise tapes, videos out of the library. Yes. And it took me a while to find the ones that I enjoyed that worked for me. Mm -hmm. The problem with Buns of Steel, she did a lot of, how can I say, her exercises put a lot of pressure on the knees. She did a lot of bends. I have arthritic knees. I've always had, even as I remember, even as a teenager, having problem with my knees. Yeah. And I tried some of her buns of steel. Tati and I tried. In fact, one was one Motu Shabbos. I remember that. I don't know if you were born yet, but you know the kids and me and Tati put it put it on the monitor, and um, we did one of the exercise tapes there. And oh my god, our knees just killed us. Then, but the, and then I tried, there were some other tapes, one tip from uh, a comedian whose name was, I think, David Brenner, I think was his name. And the problem with his tapes was the whole tape, he's fetching how much he hates it, but it's good for him. He hates it, but it's good for him. Richard Simmons was the one who came along and said, this can be fun and I'll show you just how it can be fun. And he made it fun. Yeah, it's the, funny. The, like sweating to the oldies. Yeah. He put on he put on like really good rock music. And these his exercises were not horribly intense. They were exercises that anybody on any level could do. His idea was no matter where you are, get up and move. Also, he would he would give um talks about diet. And I remember one of the things he was saying that a lot of Americans do, unfortunately, he says. Television plus donuts equals weight gain. And it was true. A lot of Americans will sit in front of the television and eat all sorts of junk food. And that, you know, and that's our problem as a culture. In fact, there was this one family that was unfortunately um, very rotund, all of them, <laughs> the mother, the father, the kids. Whenever I would visit them, they were always sitting in front of the television eating. Always. Yeah, that's that's never good. Uh, because I was going to say, you mentioned earlier about your knees. I had that same problem. And I actually was taught this by someone where you first off, you rip up, you remove the original soles of the shoes. And you buy Dr. Scholl's like shoes, uh, uh, inner, so inner soles for like workers or whatnot, whatever you whatever you you, you fancy. And the certain shoe you get, and I and I, and I, I I'm testing it right now. The certain mm -hmm. shoe you get, in my opinion, is you get the flex shoe, because these stiff shoes that have a flat bottom, they don't allow your feet to flex, which causes issues in your knees. Uh, oddly enough, at least for me, because mm -hmm. I, I, and also replace your your sneakers every six months. Mm -hmm. Ooh. That's interesting. Yeah, because the cushioning you, usually I will replace my I replace my sneakers like once a year. Well, I mean, if you're if yeah. you're a more active person, six months, if not yeah. maybe a year. Um, but it's interesting you said because there was a podiatrist that did recommend that to me. But um, my podiatrist um gives um gave me um custom made orthotics. He knows he takes out the sole, and he puts in custom made orthotics. And the shoes I I get um. I use maybe Sarconi's, um, 
Skechers, um, New New Balance. I like New Balance. So New so, Balance, Skechers, stuff like that. So yeah. New Balance and Skechers. This at least this works for me. So I don't know uh-huh. what works for you. These those shoes. I'm wearing. I'm, I think I'm wearing like a Under Armour right now, but they're the same style mm-hmm. of New Balance where it's all mm-hmm. stiff. It's a giant hunk of like rubber. And uh-huh. when they have this, Nike has this shoe called Nike Flex, where mm. it bends all the way and you really can twist it and you get a lot of flex um, mm-hmm. in the shoe, which mm-hmm. for me, every time I wear those shoes, mm-hmm. <coughs> sorry, sorry. Every time I wear those shoes, my knee problems kind of go away. And mm. when I'm wearing these shoes, like, like it's fine. The only reason, the only reason why I got these shoes was because flex shoes are like 90 bucks. And these shoes were like 45. So I was like, you know what? Let me just you know, go on the cheap and see what the big deal is. And now I'm like, once I finish these shoes, I'm just going to go back to Flex or find a knockoff Flex because... So, um, tell, tell me though, but how does Flex go with these orthotics? Because I'm wearing orthotics. Well, they 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 usually work... When you, when you come to the orthotics, you're talking about the inner inner uh, lining? It's the... Yes, the, it goes... It's the inner So what they do is they... The, the podiatrist takes out the um, original inner yes. sole yes. And, and then that's... puts in the orthotics. Yes. So I do that all the time. I when I when Whenever I buy a shoe, I buy a shoe and I buy a Dr. Mm-hmm. Scholl's inner, inner soles. So, mm-hmm. and then, so I, I never use the original uh, sole. Never. Uh-huh. I used to do it all the time. I used to do it all the time. And then someone taught me like, hey, it's better for your knees. It's better for your feet to just go ahead and, and replace that with proper um, inner, inner soles. And I, I haven't mm-hmm. gone back since. Like, it's it really is a lot better than than that. Um, but I just want to shift topics because I feel like it's a little... It, it, want, to get back to, want to get back to baby songs? Baby songs, sure. Yeah, you have a few baby songs. Okay. Baby. Um, what were some of the other songs, the baby songs I used to sing? Then there was one I used to sing. Um, I love you. I give you the kisses. Oh, yes, I do. Cause I love you, boo boo. That's that's wonderful, Emma. That's <laughs> fantastic. I love it. It's just. And then there was there was your baby song. Oh, what the Saji the rough? Ah, Saji the rough, the tough, the Saji the rough and the tough, 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 tough. tough, tough. tough, tough. When, when the going, going gets, gets rough, rough, the rough the gets going. Saji the rough and the tough, tough. Then it was Saji the. I used to tell your sisters stories about you called. Saji the Wonder Baby. Yeah, oh, I think I remember Saji. I think I remember you saying that very vaguely about Saji yeah. the Wonder Baby. Saji the Wonder Baby, but um, he's strong. We Freaky. don't mean, mean maybe, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the, the run, when they see Saji, yes, yes, I remember that. I'm trying. Yeah, I was trying to think like your sisters also. Oh yeah. I would go when I would go with your sisters and your brothers when they were little. I we would go through everybody in the family, and we and they would make up a verse about what about each person in the family. Like I would go, um, like uh, you know, um, you, instead of with Yehuda was a baby, so I'd go mm-hmm. Yehuda the brave and the mighty. And then we would go Etty, and Etty would say her verse, what she thought about herself, and then Khani. And um, as with as the family grew, we of course added people. And one of your sisters, I'm not going to name it, name her, but 
Etsy, when it came to her, Etsy would say, la, la, the sweet and the tender. That's when she was a baby. Wow. <laughs> she, she wasn't so sweet and tender. She got older, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I haven't I haven't figured out a way for our baby to uh like I haven't thought of anything particular. I haven't thought of any like interesting songs yet. A little um, but I think it'll come um eventually, you know. It's just to get this feeling where it's like you're not sure if you know, you're showing the right enough affection. You're doing all the right stuff. You're crossing your eyes, getting all your T's. And it, it, it gets a little hectic. Um, just trying to figure out, like, are you doing the best you can? You kind of have to all, tell yourself. All, all parents feel that way. And as long as you're a decent, honest person and you're not abusive and you love your child and you're doing you know, the best for them, that's that's the most you can do. Where you draw the line, God forbid, is criminal behavior or abuse. That's that's where the line is drawn. But if you're not being abusive and you're just trying to, you know, you're trying to be the best parent possible, then, you know, you can't, don't worry about it. You'll be okay. Yeah. You know, you'll be yeah. okay. What's it? I remember what was it? Um, oh, darn it. There was some, ah, darn it. Oh yeah. Um, I was talking to a parent tonight. They were very, let's put it this way. I had a piano student tonight who after I, this kid, either I finished with him or he finished with me. I told the parents I was going to charge them combat pay. Wow. How bad was it? <laughs> um, put your finger, put, put your, you know, put your thumb on C. Yeah. And he's just banging around the piano. Finally, I had to take his hand and take his thumb and put it on C for him. Oh, gosh. How old's the kid? <laughs> He's, yeah, I don't know. I think he's like six or seven or eight, something, oh, somewhere okay. around that. And um, so the parents were, you know, were discussing with me about, you know, the problems they have with some of their kids listening. I crack up with and go, oh, you have trouble with your children listening? Really? <laughs> so I told them that there was one point where I became so frustrated with you kids not listening. Remember how I would let off my frustrations by making up these little songs yeah sarcastic songs of, of, of passive aggressivism yeah so i mean i got so fed up with you kids one time i said i'm an angster i'm an angster i don't listen to anyone my teacher tells me walk in line but i know what is best i'm an angster i'm an angster my parents try to tell me what to do but i don't go with the rest i'm an angster i'm an angster I don't listen to anyone. You probably felt so really I, proud of I, that I, one. I, so I sang them that song telling about how frustrated I was by his not listening. I think I made them feel a lot better that they weren't alone. Yeah, I think I think most I think most parents from the way I can see is that like as long as you know that someone else is in the suck with you, like you feel better about it. Um definitely. And I think that's kind of why. When it comes to, to to parenting, it's just having a support system is so important. Having other people that are, that are in it, you know. The problem is being able to get out at night to go to these support groups. Well, but now, hey, now with Zoom and everything, you can actually do it from your from from your house now. Yeah, and get online with these support. My in my day, we didn't have that. If you wanted to go to a support group, you had to get out of the house and go. I was thinking about back in the day because we were going through different things with our 
uh, baby. And we weren't sure about something. We need to clarify. Like a, a little thing was um, uh, I, I had a cigar. So I went outside, you know, and I smoked the cigar outside away from, from the baby. And I figured, okay, that's fine. If, mm-hmm. if I smell a bit, I'll, I'll take off my jacket. Like I, I had my precautions. Mm-hmm. But Ruthie wasn't sure. I'm like, hey, is there any other issues? And I'm like, I don't know. And I just found online NIH and did some research. And apparently there's something called like third, not third degree, but like third hand smoke. Mm-hmm. Where if you if you're smoking anything, anything with tobacco uh-huh. on it, um, you have to really like just wash your hands and like take a shower before you handle uh, a baby. Of any sort because you have like because you have these like nicotine and carcinogens all Mm -hmm. over your your body and when you're touching things they can attach to the uh, to the body um so i i didn't know that but the other stuff was like just checking like you know how many times to feed him how like what to do and like all i had to do was just google it quickly and got the answer right away and i'm Uh thinking like of like when you we're raising us like how many things were you like having to call your mother or having to do guesswork or like eh, it worked for one it could work for another um okay the unfortunately um as nice as my mother was and as helpful as you know well she was very very helpful like when when Pesci when I gave birth to Pesci there was an outbreak of chicken pox in the house among oh, wow. the older kids and the nurse midwife told me I should find, I should not go home because they're concerned about a newborn picking up chicken pox, but I should go someplace, see where, if I can stay by my parents or someone's house for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I did that. I stayed by my mother's house. My mother loved having me there. She you know, helped me take care of pests. She, she was wonderful. But when it came to raising the kids, we had a few problems. First of all, um, your father and I being Bali Chuva, um, you know, our whole value system was different from our parents. And... Um, so that was a little bit of, you know, so we couldn't really go to them for too much um, guidance. And I um, I breastfed all my babies, all my kids. So, and my parents' generation, not only did, not, 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 did they not breastfeed, they were totally propagandized against it at that time. Yeah, I think I remember you talking about this. Right. And so to be able to come to them for, you know, some sort of, all I know is that there was one time I'd had a, a very bad episode with um, one of your older siblings. And I remember how I had done the same thing when I was around her age and how my mother was so upset. And that's, well, I'm an adult now and you can't tell and da, 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 da. Like, you know what I mean? Can and you elaborate then, a little bit more? Um, or, or do you want to? I don't want to. I think it's a good, I don't think it's a good okay. idea. It involved. No, I think it's best not to elaborate. It's going to be great radio. Fantastic. Do it. Do it. Do it. It involved. Peer it, pressure. Peer it, pressure. It, it involved a member of the opposite sex. Okay. Oh, a boy. Oh, don't a date boy. a shitty boy. When I, was, when I was in college, dating this guy, falling in love with him. First of all, he wasn't Jewish. Secondly, I didn't realize it at the time, but he was really quite psychologically abusive. Yeah, emotionally and abusive, gaslighting, and my, and my and I and you know and I wanted to, I was head over heels in love with this guy, and my mother was upset about me dating him, and that was like you know, good old hotshot me, you know, uh, nineteen I'm nineteen years old, I'm working, I'm going to college, you can't tell me, yeah, you know, what to do, 
And then when I had a, a similar problem with one of your older siblings who, um, anyway, you know, we all grow up and she did too. And she realized her mistake. I realized mine. You know, we all grew up and we realized these mistakes that we do when we're like in our late teens, early 20s. Yep. And I called my mother. I was crying because I thought, I felt that I was getting karma for what I did oh. to my mother. I called up. I was crying and crying and crying. I said, Mom, I said, Mom, I, I, I was, was what I did was stupid. Please forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive. I kept asking, please forgive me. And my mother said, forgive you for what? And I said, the incident with, you know, Schmoyce. <laughs> with with Schmoyce. And when I was Schmoyce. like 19, 20 years, 19 years old. And she says, and my mother just laughed it off. She goes, oh, she goes, I forgot. She goes, I've forgotten all about that. Did, did Bubby Rita maybe ever have that situation, like dating a guy and like their parents not approving and her trying to do a whole runoff kind of situation? No, she didn't because um, it it was the 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 social milieu that she lived in at the time when she was in her twenties. This was like this was like uh, late nineteen thirties, early nineteen forties. Yeah, and family units, especially Jewish European family units, were very tight. Yeah, and like she said, she told me she had many opportunities. Like she worked in and on and in Andrews um Air Force Base. It wasn't Air Force Base then, but it was Andrews um Army uh, Air Force. Army base. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Army and the Air Force were together at that time. We're mm -hmm. not separate. And she worked in the office. She was a secretary. She says, Don't you think I had plenty of offers from these really good looking non-Jewish soldiers? Yeah. That would see me in the office. And she was cute. She was pretty. And she said, but she could not, she could not ever upset her parents like that. Mm -hmm. She just wouldn't. It was just out of the question. So what made you? Because I grew up in a different time. I grew up in a time where, hey, it's it's civil rights. It's um, we're all equal. Um, uh, we're independent. You know, you um, you're in. You know, the whole idea in my generation was being independent, making your own decisions, not being tied by um. Oh, old prejudices or um how can I say it old um old-fashioned ways and uh, that that type of thing it was more of a pioneering independent type of um mentality also um you know you I went to the uh, you know, I went over this before in one of our other past about you know being Jewish but going to the public school and when you go to the public school you come out with a better knowledge of Christianity and history mm -hmm. than you do of Judaism. Yeah. And so, and you're told, you know, um, you know, we're all the same, we're all equal, you know, that type of thing. Um, and also there were many articles and I, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody who's in my age bracket who we were reminiscing. She also became a Baal's Tshuva. And we were talking about how right around that time in the 60s, there were a lot of articles being written saying that Judaism was on the way out. It was old mm. fashioned, it was on the way out. You know, like empires rise, empires go, and Judaism had its time, but now it's not relevant. You know, and there were articles upon articles and you had, um, you had Orthodox synagogues that were moving out to the county and becoming conservative and reform. Wow. 
was it was very it was a very very sad time for Yiddishkeit. It really was, and it, um, so you know what I mean. So all this, all this, you know, all this going on around me, it was like, hey, you know, like um, what reason would I have? What logical reason would I have for restricting my dating just to, you know, just to Jewish boys? If you know all this is going on and uh, everyone's assimilating and that type of thing. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I think that when it comes to comparing it to nowadays, and this is just something that what I've observed is that it it's quite the opposite. And now I understand why the Lubavitch Rebbe was very big into having Jewish pride and the importance of having Jewish pride. Um, because, mm -hmm. like, especially after the Holocaust, especially, like, you know, just regular gullus mentality Jews, there, there's such a decrepit, like, oh, it's so terrible. Oh, look how horrible my life is. Oh, it's just the waste. And it, it's it's the pathetic Jew, and I and I hate that. It's like right. that Woody Allen Jew. And you're like, yes, can you not like that? Like, yeah. I love comedy. And what's frustrating sometimes when I see these Jewish comics do these like routines of like, oh, I'm Jewish. And then they do this whole like thing of like, oh, and my stomach heights. And I, I, I've talked about that before. I've mentioned that before, um, you know, and it, it's like nowadays it's like I'm seeing all these responses in these forums of like, oh, I, I was I'm dating this non-Jewish guy and then October 7th happened and now he turns out to be pro-Palestinian. I, I feel like I have to just, you know, break this relationship off because I don't know what else to do. Or it's like October 7th happened and now I realize I want to be connected to my Yiddishkeit. What yeah. do I do? And luckily mm -hmm. there's Hillel, there's Aish, there's Chabad, there's all these programs there to help you. And we're all coming together in a way of saying like, like there's the Torah and mitzvot and that's what you have to do. And that's where it's getting mm -hmm. to a point where it's just like, I think there's just another resurgence of of Yiddishkeit where it's taking on this form of it's just Judaism. It's not like, oh, I'm reformed, mm -hmm. so therefore I do A, B, and C, or I'm conservative and I do A, B, and C, or I'm Orthodox and I do A, B, and C. It's more of like I, I'm Jewish, and if I'm Jewish, I put on tefillin. I, I, mm -hmm. I keep Shabbos to whatever degree. I keep kashas to whatever degree because that's what a Jew does. And mm -hmm, yeah. it's like that, that identity... Mm -hmm is really what's coming like coming together or what I see now. Well, I've, I've had that a few times where, um, yeah, that I've offered like Shabbos candles or, um, you know, pamphlets about Tyrus Mishpacha to somebody and a woman will say, oh, I don't do that. I'm reformed. I said, well, you could be a reformed Jew and still like Shabbos candles and still do Tyrus Mishpacha. It's just because yeah. you're reformed, you can't do these things. I think that's what people are realizing now where it's just like, they they don't they don't need to have this label to them to define what they're supposed to do to like just do what do what is actually the right thing to do and what's mm -hmm. supposed to do. I, it's funny because you mentioned like and we've mentioned this earlier on the podcast and I think it's just funny to bring it up all the time where it's like when reform movement came out, no one would wear a yarmulke. Now in the yes. reform movement, everyone's wearing a yarmulke. Mm -hmm. Everyone's wearing a talus. Actually, there have been some um uh, there have been some reformed temples that have actually flipped over and be, and become orthodox. Well that that's a different story. That's that's because of, of membership issues where 
I mean, it's I could have my criticism and and whatnot, but what basically happens is is that when you chip away at something and you got you whittle it down to to the gems, you got nothing else left. You know, it's hard to grasp to the identity of it. You know, like and and I've seen people complain about reform. You know, shows that it, it gives a very churchy vibe, and some people don't like that. I and, I remember I had a friend. By the way, he became from event later on in life. Um, and when I was in junior high school, I think eighth grade, and um, I, I, and I wasn't that observant, but I knew I did not like the reform movement. I just, I knew, I just not, that they were, I thought they were a bunch of hypocrites. So he said, "Oh, come on," he says, "Come with me Friday night to my reform temple. You'll love it. Oh, you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go." So I said, "Okay." So we we had a <laughs> we we had a we had a temple date. That's where cute. he took me to his before temple and I'm sitting there and they have a choir singing this welcome welcome and this curtain opens up and the rabbi and the cantor go on the stage on the you know on the beamer there <laughs> um and they had an organ playing and the whole time we're sitting there he's singing isn't this nice didn't that choir sound beautiful? Listen to that lovely organ. Look how nicely the rabbi and the, and the cantor are singing. Oh, isn't this beautiful? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not even answering him. I'm just sitting there like putting up with this. I came home. My mother said, what'd you think of it? I said, I didn't know whether I should cross myself or star myself. Well, yeah. I, said, I, mean... I, felt, I, I felt like it was in a church. Yeah. And then when I got my job in college singing as a soloist in a Lutheran in a Lutheran church, I saw my gosh how how the reform you know Jewish service is totally tailored after the German Lutheran service. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that was done on purpose. Yeah, it was it was of course it, it, it emanated from Germany. Yeah, it was supposed to be like um yeah, like a copy, like an adaptation. Right the German was, they, they said yeah. they said Germany is my Israel and Berlin is my Jerusalem. I think that was like the main thing the reform movement had in the 1800s or 1700s when they came out. Um, I think so. Yeah, it was the time of the Alter in the 1700s. The late, late 1700s. 1700s. The late 1700s. Remember, remember the story about the um, the guy from the reform movement that was try that they were trying to um, get Jewish children. From these, from Ukrainian and Russian families, and taking them to these so-called yeshivas in Germany, when they were really schools of the Haskalah movement. Did you remember that story? I think I, I think I do. Um, you have about four minutes left, so if you can sum it up quickly. Oh, okay. So what happened was basically this guy was a charlatan. He was trying to do this. They would take kids from from Russian and Jewish families, and they would send them to Germany to the reform schools where the kids would come back after say 10 years or 20 years being totally non-observant. So he had an idea. He wanted to go to the Alta Rebbe and he wanted the Alta Rebbe to give him a letter so he could go around to all these Jewish communities to present himself as being this very orthodox um, Muhammad teacher. The, uh, he didn't fool the Alta Rebbe at all. The Alta Rebbe looked at him and knew exactly who he was and where he was from. And even though he tried to lie to the Alta Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe said to him, um, a man who says he comes from this 
part of Russia and is really from Germany, a man who is from the Haskalah movement, who's trying to tear our children away, be sure the fires of Gehenna have opened for you because there is no way you're going to be able to do teshuva. And the guy ran out of the office. He was terrified. After that, the Altribi sent letters all over to the communities of Russia and the Ukraine. We invent this guy. This guy finally got chased out of every community. He and his wife immigrated to America. And that would have been the end of the story, except that many, many years later, some Chabadniks were going around passing out Chabas candles and things. And an old woman gave them a very, very nice, like thousands of dollars, and said, I think the reform movement is really damaging our children. And then when they brought the Nadava to the office, a couple of weeks later, Rabbi um, Klein called them to the office of the old lady that gave you all that money, passed away. So we're so sorry. Do you know who she was? No, she was the granddaughter of that Muhammad, of that reform guy from the Al-Turabi story. Oh, wow. And yeah. you summed it up in about two and a half minutes. Way to go. Yay. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. It's possible for a woman to do such a thing. I, I believe in it, Ima. As long as, if you will it, there is no dream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just, it's very interesting, you know, because I, I remember I, I actually had a reform chumash um, from a reform publishing company. And I had it in my, in my, uh, in my library for a long time. And I was like, I don't know, whatever, let me just take a look at it. And it was like one Shabbos Friday night meal. I was like, okay, let's go ahead and just open up this week's Parsha. Let's go ahead and read from the reform movement. Let's see what happens. And I start reading, it's talking about Avram and Sarah, I think, and talking about this convoluted version of it that really pornographically and very derogatorily explains the story in a very like twisted way where it's like you're you're getting the facts off like it things are a little bit different sorry i'm i do apologize for my baby he's he's a little hungry um which is fine because we're almost out of time um but like it's just it's you know, it is what it is. We're going to piss people off with this episode. Uh, <laughs> That's the fun of it. Yeah. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm not trying to be one of these guys that purposely. Imagine what would happen if you were trying. <laughs> if I was trying. Oh, my gosh. Believe me, there would be no end. I just I wanted to have a nice conversation with you and record it and put it up as a podcast. That's all I was trying to do. I wouldn't yes. want to try anything else. But like, yeah, this is just how the conversation goes. Um, <laughs> but I, I love you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Love you. Have a great um, job, Starling. I'll, I'll talk to you uh, later. I'll give you a call. All right. Okay, sweetheart. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please comment and subscribe on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it, and my mother would too. <laughs>